Welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick. Some episodes ago, I think it was uh, episode 144, I spoke about how in the sacrament of baptism, we receive one of the greatest treasures that we could receive. We're not only healed from all stain of sin, an original sin, not only are the doors of heaven opened to us, not only are we made members of the body of Christ, but moreover, God gives us sanctifying grace. He makes us partakers in his divine nature. St. Peter, in his second letter, 2 Peter 1, verse 4, says that God has, quote, bestowed on us the precious and very great promises, so that through them you may come to share in the divine nature after escaping from the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. To there, St. Peter. That sharing in divine nature is what we call sanctifying grace. It is like an upgrade to our human natural being. God adds to our natural humanity something that is above nature, supernatural, in the order of God, something that makes us like Him, because it makes us share in His divine life. Now, together with that participation of the nature of God, He also gives us the infused virtues like faith, hope, and charity, and the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we will speak about today. We will look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, their existence, their nature, what they are, and which are those different gifts. Now, there is an example in the life of Saints Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco, uh, an example of the gift of fortitude. They were three little shepherds who had a vision of Our Lady of Fatima. She first appeared to them on May 13th, 1917, and they described her as a lady dressed all in white, more brilliant than the sun, shedding rays of light, clear and stronger than crystal glass, filled with the most sparkling water, pierced by the burning rays of the sun. So that's an amazing description of the Virgin Mary. And the Virgin Mary talked to them, and they, particularly Lucia, spoke to the Mother of God. The Virgin Mary said that she would appear during six consecutive months and would have a message for them. Now, the following month, several other people came with them, and with each apparition, more people came. So the local authorities, who were against the apparitions, were not happy with those apparitions, wanted the children to deny that any of those apparitions had been true. So at one point, they went, they went so far as to threaten them. They took them like uh, prisoners, right? They, and they threatened them with torture and even death. They said that they would be fried in boiling oil if they didn't recant. They were all threatened, and Francisco particularly was threatened several times. In spite of that, he responded, If I were killed, it doesn't matter. I will go to heaven. And then Jacinta, who, had, who was uh, taken to be killed, with a courageous spirit, said to her siblings, Don't worry, I won't say a thing. I'd rather die first. So what is incredible is how could these children remain so firm in the face of such terrible threats as being fried in boiling oil? How could they overcome the natural fear of death and the fear of suffering, if not by a powerful help from God? 
and that is the result of the grace of the Lord acting through the through them uh, through the gift of fortitude. Another example in the case in this case is the gift of wisdom is how uh, the Holy Spirit inspired Saint Joan of Arc. She was born in 1412 and died in 1431 at the age of 19. She went, she was born in Domremy, France and was called by God to free France from the English who were in control of more or less half of the French territory. She heard voices from St. Michael, the Archangel, from St. Catherine of Alexandria and St. Margaret. And she was, request, and she was requested uh, to go to the king to give her soldiers to go to battle. So as she was doing that, she was asking the king to give her soldiers uh, they they had to uh, examine her. So she was tried by a French court formed mostly by theologians and found to be sent by God. She was uh, That was a first trial that she had to undergo. And they asked her many questions, but one of the key problems they presented to her was one that many theologians had not been able to clarify completely. And it referred to how uh, the will of God works together with man's freedom, how, how that happens, how it is possible for God to work on one side and man's freedom also to remain true and free. They basically said to her the following, you are certain that God told you he wants to free France from the English. And you say God wants you to have soldiers at your disposal to free France in his name. Now, if it is certain that God wants to free France, why would he need you to do it? Why doesn't he do it himself if he is almighty? And it makes sense, right? If he's almighty, he can do all things. Why would he be asking a child to lead soldiers into battle? And Joan's answer was simple as it could be, and amazingly profound at the same time. She said, and this is a quote right from her, uh, from her sayings. The soldiers of France will fight the battles and God will give the victory. So no doubt that was an answer inspired by the Holy Spirit through the gift of wisdom. Because it, in a simple answer, she explained a difficult theological problem. So let us look now at the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit and what they are. And the first thing to say is that the word gift can mean many things. So let's distinguish the different senses in which we can use the word gift when we refer to a gift from God. So used in a generic sense, gift can mean anything and everything that is created by God. Like having, for example, the talent to sing or play an instrument is a gift of God, we say. But that's a gener generic or general sense. We could also use the word gift in a more specific sense, but still not exact. Like when we refer to, for example, uh, the any actual graces given by God or graces gratuitously given, like the gift of healing or the gift of prophecy. And we will speak about uh, these gifts later gifts that are not what we're referring to when we speak about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then in a more proper and exact sense, we have the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit that are given to us in baptism 
and they are necessary for our salvation and our sanctification. So now we have now that once uh, we have made those distinctions, we have to consider whether they actually exist. How can we know that they exist? That is, are there seven gifts that God gives to us? Seven powers, if you want, that the Holy Spirit gives to us and that we have in our soul? And how does the Holy Spirit act in us through them? In the case of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we can only know of their existence through divine revelation. That is, we could not find out about them unless God revealed them to us and the magisterium of the church presented them to us. So we can't reach their existence, the knowledge of their existence through reasoning or philosophy, let's say. So the most basic foundation and the main foundation for their existence is in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah. There we read in chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, the following, which actually refers primarily to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and then by extension also to the souls that are baptized who are, in a sense, participating in the divinity of Christ through grace. Uh, Isaiah says, chapter 11, verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of fortitude, the Spirit of knowledge and of godliness or piety. And he shall be filled with the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Up to there, the text from Isaiah. Now this particular translation is the English Dewey Reims translation of the Latin Vulgate of St. Jerome, which uses in turn, is a translation of the Greek Old Testament version of the Seventy or the Septuagint. That is the version of the Old Testament that Jesus and the apostles used However, the newer versions of Scripture don't list the gift of piety, right? So they list uh, six gifts of the Holy Spirit. They skip piety. But anyway, it appears in the Septuagint, and from there, the church has always took, taken these seven gifts. From the very early years of the church, the church fathers referred to these gifts as true and distinct graces or powers given to the soul. However, they would use different names like powers or strengths or spirits or gifts, right? However, the most prominent uh, magisterial statement of the church in this regard was in the Council of Rome in 382 under Pope St. Damasus that listed the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit as we know them today. Also, the Catholic liturgy in the Mass and in, in the uh, prayers of the, of the church There, the seven gifts are mentioned in several places. For example, in the hymn to the Holy Spirit, the Veni Creator, from the ninth century. There we pray to the Holy Spirit, asking for your sevenfold gifts. And that's a text from the Veni Creator. Also, the antiphon for the Feast of Pentecost, that is from the 13th century, the Veni Sancte Spiritus, prays, Give to the faithful who trust in you your sevenfold gift. Closer to our times, Pope Leo XIII wrote an encyclical on the Holy Spirit, Divinum Illud Munus, the encyclical of the Holy Spirit, in 1897. And in there, in number nine, he says very specifically, 
the just man has need of those seven gifts, which are properly attributed to the Holy Spirit. By means of them, the soul is furnished and strengthened so as to obey more easily and promptly the Holy Spirit's voice and impulse. Wherefore, these gifts are of such efficacy that they lead the just man to the highest degree of sanctity and of such excellence that they continue to exist even in heaven, though in a more perfect way. Up to there, Pope Leo XIII. I will put a link to that uh, encyclical in the show notes so that you can read it for yourself. Also, the rite of the sacrament of confirmation also prays to God to send the Holy Spirit and his seven gifts, naming each one of them, the seven gifts. So we know through Revelation then and through the teachings of the church that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, properly so-called, exist and that they are seven. We also know that they are necessary for our spiritual growth, for our salvation and sanctification. But what are these gifts? What, are their, what, are their, what is their nature? A very uh, simple example would be the following. Imagine that our soul is like a boat. And then you add the oars and later some sails. So when we're baptized, we are, we are given sanctified grace with the infused virtues that are like the oars of that boat, and also the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are like the sails. The infused virtues are like, are, uh, like oars that enable you to row and move forward. They enable, enable us to believe in God, to hope in Him, and to love Him. We can also do other good actions that are meritorious for eternal life, and they give glory to God. But all this continues to require the action of our, our own reason and our will in order to develop and produce fruits, right? Our will and our reason have to be, it's like the person rowing the boat, rowing, right? So we are pushing the boat thanks to our effort. But then imagine that you add the sails to the boat. Now with the sails, you can catch the wind and your boat will move forward much quicker and more easily and will, with less effort on your part because the movement is now produced by the wind, that is the Holy Spirit. So the difference of the oars and the sails is that with the oars, you have to do the effort still, or part of the effort, and with the sails, the Holy Spirit with his wind moves you forward. And this is how the gifts work. They are supernatural powers or habits infused by God, by God in the soul, which enable us to respond more promptly to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. So they are necessary, first of all, because they perfect the infused virtues, but more specifically because they enable us to receive promptly and be docile to the actual graces or uh, promptings given by the Holy Spirit in such a way that thanks to them, the Holy Spirit can act in our life, act in our soul, and he acts more easily in us. This is why the gifts of the Holy Spirit are necessary. They are like a, the conduit thanks to which the Holy Spirit will be able to act in your soul more promptly. So here's a more theological definition 
given by a Dominican theologian. He says, The gifts of the Holy Spirit are supernatural habits infused by God in the powers of the soul in order to receive and follow promptly the motions of the Holy Spirit in a divine or supernatural way. So now there are some uh, important things to have in mind regarding these seven gifts. First of all, their names. Uh, they've had some variation throughout history, but the theological and spiritual tradition of the church, uh, based on Holy Scripture, calls them in this way. Understanding, wisdom, knowledge, counsel, piety, fortitude, and fear of the Lord. Now, you might realize that there are seven. Three of them are more directed to the intelligence. Three of them, piety, fortitude, and fear of the Lord, are more directed to the will. And there's one in the middle, counsel, that refers partially to the intelligence and partially to the will. So understanding, wisdom, and knowledge refer to the intelligence. Counsel is sort of in between, somewhat connected to the intelligence and somewhat connected to the will. And then piety, fortitude, and fear of the Lord are more related to the will. They perfect the will. Now, secondly, secondly, these are given by God to all those who desire them through the sacrament of baptism. And they are strengthened in the sacrament of confirmation or unfurled more in the sacrament of confirmation. In that sense, we can call them ordinary or, if you want, common to all in the sense that they are given to all who want to receive the sacraments. And the sacraments are available to all people. Thirdly, they are necessary for our sanctification and salvation because through them the Holy Spirit perfects our virtues and the powers of our soul and can work more promptly in our soul to lead us to salvation and sanctification. Fourth point is that while everybody has them, they aren't equally developed in everyone. They need to be developed in our soul, just as the sails of the boat need to be unfurled to catch the wind better. And that development comes through our own docility, our generosity, and the corresponding of our will to the action of the Holy Spirit that takes us step by step to perfection. Finally, it is important to distinguish them from the other also-called gifts of the Holy Spirit that are not common or given to all, like the gift of healing or the gift of prophecy or the gift of tongues. These are extraordinary gifts in the sense that they are not necessary for salvation and they are not in the common path of the development of grace in the soul. These gifts, uh, the extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit, like healing, prophecy, etc., this is what uh, in theology we call, in Latin, gratias, gratis, date, or gifts gratuitously given that are not necessary for our salvation nor for our sanctification. They don't depend on the virtue of the person receiving them. That is, a person can have them, and that doesn't mean that they are holy. And they are given not so much for the benefit of the receiver the person who receives that, but for the benefit of other people who are in the receiving end 
of those gifts. For example, if I have if I had the gift of healing, I don't have it. If I had the gift of healing, it won't benefit me. But the people who are healed through my ministry. In these cases, we shouldn't be asking for these extraordinary gifts because they are not necessary for our salvation. But they can actually lead to pride or self-reliance. And therefore, they can be dangerous to the soul unless in those cases where God freely wants to give them to someone. So what can be uh, some practical conclusions for you? First of all, that the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, those that are necessary for our spiritual development, are already in you thanks to the sacrament of baptism. So now your spiritual growth depends on how you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, how you allow His grace to guide you. In a word, it will be the Holy Spirit working in you that will lead you to holiness. You have to be docile to that action and avoid putting obstacles in His way. This is why prayer and the sacraments are essential for your spiritual growth. Don't look for extraordinary ways to grow in spirituality. That is, don't go about seeking spectacular things or consolations, things that give you a sense of empowerment. Because most of the times, the paths of God lead through simplicity, through humility, through service. The Holy Spirit, more often than not, works in ways that are hidden, ways that only those who have a spiritual mind can see. And that was the case of St. Joseph and the Virgin Mary, St. Therese of Lisieux and many other saints. St. Joseph and the Virgin Mary are the greatest saints after our Lord Jesus Christ. And still they were filled with the Holy Spirit and with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But their holiness was not noticeable to most people. So pray frequently to the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to strengthen in you His action. Ask Him to lead you, to guide you, to develop in you those gifts that He Himself gave you. Especially we can pray that well-known prayer that we can say together right now. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who instructed the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by that same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, next episode, I will be interviewing Deacon Benjamin King. He's a deacon of Minas Christi, a religious of Minas Christi, and he will share with us the story of his discernment and his vocation. And in the following episode, I will interview him again, but this time we will speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in particular. What are their names and what, what's the meaning of each one of the gifts? So thank you for listening. Please share this episode with your friends. And if you can, please leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time. May God bless your day.